Bulls to make it 28 to 3. Arthur Blank loving it. Up by 25. Tossed away. All right, welcome back to the 28 to 3 podcast. I'm Corey here with Max and Nick once again. We're doing this from remote uh, as it's the holiday season, of course. But uh, it was not so happy holidays for the Saints on Thursday night. That one was a tough one to watch. The final score said 30 to 22, but that one was far, so far from a one score game. Uh, just complete letdown on the Saints part. So many bad things to say about it. Uh, let's kick it off with uh, Max first. Max, what, what are your, you know, just initial thoughts on, on, on the game as a whole? Yeah. I mean, as you said, it was, it was painful to watch. Um, it was a complete ass kicking from start to finish. You know, I didn't feel like we were in the game at any point. I know the, uh, the final score is going to be misleading. And I think that's, that's kind of the MO of the saints this year. You know, they've been a few times where they've been getting smacked around and you think it might go the way of a blowout. And then all of a sudden they claw their way back in and it's a, you know, a, a one score game by the, by the final whistle. Um, to their credit, they don't quit. You know, the guys on the team absolutely refuse to quit. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing this season is uh, up for debate. But um, yeah, I, I just at no point did I feel like we were in the game. It just it seemed like a foregone conclusion from start to finish. Um, just a painful, painful game to watch. I know Nick was actually at the game, so I guess he can give us some thoughts from ground zero. Yeah, it's a tough one to be at. <laughs> Max and I have, have kind of been talking about this game for about a month. And, um, you, you know, my stance on it, yeah, my stance on it was this was going to be a very difficult game for us on a short week. Um once Stafford came back from that minor injury he had kind of midway through the season, they've been a different team. They've been able to run the ball, throw the ball. We talked about it last episode. This one, I did not have high hopes of a win. Um, I do hope, I did hope it looked better than it did. Um, we talked a lot about, you know, Chris Olave on the, on the preview episode and how, you know, I said, I believe this game is his, his for the taking. He's going to eat these guys up in their secondary. He did that, except in the most crucial moments. And that's the most disappointing thing to me about this game um, was that he was having an outstanding game and a couple plays, you know, maybe I'm being harsh, but I feel like those were fairly straightforward catches for a guy like Chris Olave on third and five twice. And I think third and six was the last one that shut down drives that were in their territory. And we went to fourth down. We didn't convert, I think, on two of those. And the other one, I believe we punted. I could be wrong on that. But either way, we ended up not getting points when he had first down yardage on all three of them. And I I just had a feeling going into this, this could have been like his statement game for the Saints. And while he had a good game, uh, the statement plays weren't there. There was He could have changed that game. By, by making those catches that I felt were good throws by Carr and he didn't make it. Um, obviously the Carr interception was a catastrophe. I mean, just doesn't even see the dropping uh, guy in the short zone there at all. Throws it right to him. Terrible pass, terrible read. Didn't even see it. Um, the defense was the worst performer of the whole day as a whole. Uh, their first, 
I, I think I text y'all, I think their first eight drives, we forced one punt. Everything else was either a field goal chance or a converted touchdown or field goal. They got destroyed. And yeah, they were doing, uh, we didn't stop anything. anything. They, they ran it five yards a carry, 100 yard rusher. They threw it yeah, 300 man, it was, yards, it was, it was, you know, 170 yard receiver. Check every box. The, the, they got killed. Go ahead, Max. Yeah, yeah um, it, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it was just painful to watch. I mean, uh, deflating, I think, would be the best word, you know, because now at this point, you're effectively out of the wild card race unless something crazy happens. So now you you're back to where we were two weeks ago, where you can only count on winning your division to get you to the playoffs. Um, you know, this week the Bucks at the Jags. It looks like Trevor Lawrence is going to play, so that obviously makes their chances a lot better of uh, beating the Bucks. But man, I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm kind of ready. I will never cheer for the Saints to lose, but I am probably going to be rooting for the the Bucks to steamroll the Jags this weekend. Just put this damn season out of his misery, and I, you know. But even <laughs> even saying that, Da is going to be back next year. You know, this 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 front office is going to sit on their asses, and Mrs. Gail Benson's not going to do shit about it, and we're going to be stuck with Da for another season. Which I guess on the positive side means we should see lots of t-shirt sales. But I don't know, Corey. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if DA is back, then you're, yeah, we'll have, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we can all retire on the t shirt sales. And then, uh, that's also, uh, that's shop.28to3.podcast.com. Uh, so we can get the Fire Dennis Allen t shirt. Hottest, hottest thing on the market right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I was looking at the tiebreaker scenarios, at least the head to head with us and the Bucks. I haven't looked at the three way tiebreakers, but if the Bucks beat the Jags, then I don't believe we yeah, can even win the division. Uh, they have all of the tiebreakers over us, so uh, that would put us put it to bed, um, you know. And I'll say that before our next question, y'all, I'll say that the more general thought first on the franchise. I, uh, I I can't disagree with you, Max, that based on the track record of this front office of ownership, that they would probably elect to you know quote give Dennis another chance. That you know we don't seem to be a franchise that seems to say like two years is enough time to really see what a coach can do, especially with, you know, one year with his chosen quarterback. Uh, but I really hope that we're wrong, it, you know, is, and, and here's, here's why. Uh, I mean, obviously I hate dealing with Dennis Allen as a head coach. I just don't think he's the right guy, but it, I've said it before, but we're on the brink of completely losing the franchise as a business, or at least going back to like the really, really dark days, you know, it'll never be completely lost because there will always be those fans, uh, the, you know, the stalwarts that don't go anywhere, even as bad as we are. But, you know, it's really like, we're not trying to hang on to the personnel and the coaches. I don't think we should do that from the Super Bowl era. But once Mickey got here and then he established Sean as the coach and then Breeze comes in, it just set the franchise on a different pattern, a different track on a successful track. And we're, on the brink of just completely erasing any progress we made from that whole successful era and uh, just as a business. And it just, you know, if you want to stay a successful business and you're Mickey or if you're Gail and you want your value to go up, it's like you're about to lose your, almost your whole fan base with, with the quality of product you're putting out there. So again, like that's the logical take, but again, like y'all said, we don't really expect this front office and Gail to, to follow, you know, logic in that sense um but going back to the game you know nick you mentioned chris olave there were some people out there that thought that critical third and five was actually Carr putting the ball 
behind him, like throwing it too hard, throwing it to his back shoulder and just making it impossible for Olave to adjust, hence him slipping. Um, I know your position on that. You thought it was a good throw. Max, What did, did you think that it was a bad throw from Carr or just a complete drop from Olave on third and five? Here's the deal. I don't care about the quality of the throw because at that point, you're a paid professional. And if you want to be an elite wide receiver like most of Saints Twitter and the Saints fan base wants to think Olave is, you got to catch the fucking ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, could it have been a... a yeah. It hit both hands either way. I, I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, could it have been a softer throw yeah. with more touch? Absolutely. Could it have been better placed? Absolutely. Sure. When you have two hands on the ball, do you need to catch sure. the ball in a clutch situation? Absolutely. So I, I yeah. look, that, that just, yeah. that's more of people who hate car and have to inflate Olave. And it's just, we can admit that not, neither of them played well. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the key moments. Because yeah. Olave did My have favorite. a damn good game considering the coming off of the ankle injury. And we know he wasn't 100%. And he did very well. And as Nick said, that could have been his statement right. performance. But the reality is there were some clutch plays yeah. yet again where he didn't come through. And that's, that's a pattern with him. You know, and and what about that third one, yeah. Corey? I just texted to you, by the way. But what about that third third? Uh, I, I'm calling it three drops. I know some people aren't. I'm saying there's three third downs that hit both his hands. The third one was, I mean, where where should Carr put it? Should he walk over there and jam it in his face mask? I, I don't know what else he's supposed to do. <laughs> um, it's it's just. I, I'm not saying these throws are perfect. Oh, Those no, throws that, are there, and the plays are there to be made. No, the last. The last one was um, completely inexcusable. Go, yeah. Now, I was gonna say the last one was completely inexcusable. Yeah. Uh, the one where it was just you know it was, it was on a comeback and it just yeah you can't you can't miss you definitely can't miss that. And I think on the third and five, you know I, I mostly agree with with Max. I mean and you as well, but like the whole idea that like you know if you're an NFL wide receiver and the ball is in a place where you can get both hands like on it, you know you, you got to catch it. Um, but but yeah, what were you saying there, Nick? No, I'm agreeing. That, so I, I just think yeah. this could have been a complete coming out party for him, for, you know, those fans on the fence. And I think, you know, you see his talent. He wouldn't be that open if he wasn't incredibly talented. We all see that. I, I'm not trying to, like, knock the guy's talent at all. There's just too many plays like that one that have happened this year that give me pause in saying, you know, everyone's calling him a Pro Bowl receiver in the socials. And I'm like, he's he's not even close to a Pro Bowl receiver this year. Um, uh, when you look at that list, you realize that if you're really analyzing the NFC's best pass catchers, he's not it. Um, he's not in that group. His skill set is there for sure. We all see that. We see him come out of breaks with, you know, three yards of separation. That's a, That's the hardest part of the position. He does it. Um, yeah. I think he's timid. I think he's afraid to get hit. Um, I think that's part of it. And I think it's just mental. And when he he feels a hit coming, that's when his drops happen or or his inability to make that tough play happen. When he feels comfortable or he's got distance and he can make an out like diving catch, one-handed catch, he doesn't seem to have a problem with that. I think it's when he feels feels the defense there is when he has his biggest trouble um, locking up those really tough catches. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even yeah. find these to be tough catches. So that's why it was hard for me to see him have that game and to see Carr look at him 14 times, I believe. That's what we want. And and the ball was being delivered. I think he only had four incompletions and three of them hit him in both hands. And he had 100 and what, 125 plus yards. I mean, could have just been that game that puts him into that tier that I think 
a lot of Saints fan thinks he's already there. I, I'm not one of them. I think he's still got a ways to go. But um, I think it's a shame. And I'm not saying we win the game if not, but that's three different drives he could have extended. And in my opinion, on offense, as of today, he is our most talented guy. He's just not always playing that way. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. When you, when you watch him play, he, he reminds me of the St. The St. Louis Rams. Well, he, he reminds me of the St. Louis Rams wide receivers from the greatest show on turf days. You know, catch the ball and immediately look for that place to just fall down. Now, you know, I can, I can kind yeah. of understand it the other day with the, uh, with the ankle injury. And obviously, you know, at that point, you probably don't want to take the chance for, for a big hit to get re-injured. But he does that in all the games. And that's, that's not the receiver that I'm going to pay $30 million to in two or three years, which he's going to command. And you know he's going to command it, and we'll probably end up giving it to him. And it's, you know, going to be looked at as poorly as the Michael Thomas contract is being looked at now. You know, for, for a receiver to be the the undisputed number one, you know, any situation guy, you need to be making those tough-ass catches, man. Like, look at, you know, New Hopkins. Like, for the longest stretch for a couple of years, like, to me, Nick and I had this conversation a lot. You know, he he, in our opinion, we agreed on it, was probably the best receiver for a few years. And there was no point where they would throw the ball anywhere near him that you doubted he wasn't going to come down with it. Like, it would, didn't matter if it was three yards to the right, three yards to the left, three yards over his head. He was catching the damn ball. You know, and that's the kind of receiver that's a true yeah. number one. Like, Olave is an amazing, an amazing number two. Well, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a right. solid number one. He is not this elite, all pro, you know, just stud number one. But again, I don't want to turn this episode into an Olave yeah. bashing. You know, look, the guy. No, this is. No, I mean, yeah, he gritted it out. He he played through injury. Think, you know, he 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 played well, and it's just we yeah. just need to stop expecting him to be something he's not. Right. He's he's not literally. He's not like physically built to be. You're the only receiver that you need to have. Like you know that that receiving core that you just talked about, Max. I mean, he's always going to need like another guy opposite him to be like that huge, like go up and get it type of receiver. I mean, Olave is insanely talented and I think it, you know, the issues that we have with him, I I know there's some people that think like Olave can do no wrong, but I think the issues we have with him are the same as we, the issues we have with the team as a whole. And so this is kind of bring me into like, you know, our next kind of question is, is or idea of some, you know, we can get off the Olave conversation, but it's like, we've, we've expected so much out of this team. I mean, on paper, they, the the talent, the the performances that that some of these same guys have had before, you know, we we think that we should be doing a hell of a lot better, especially with the easier schedule. And you know, one of the things that people have said about Da and why the people that said keep him or give him more time is that well, he's been the one bright spot as a coach because the defense, like from a positional standpoint, because the defense has actually done well. I think. This past game, you just saw us completely revert uh, on on defense. I mean, what was the most concerning thing? I mean, unless it's the the defense as a whole, but I mean, like, was there anything that that was more concerning than than out than others on the defense, or was it just like a complete and utter shit show? I mean, it was. It was Start with you, Nick. I think. Well, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, it, yeah. I I think uh, it's what all of us have been talking about, and how we brought up in the last two episodes, even in those winning games. Uh, do we feel better about the defense? And everyone said no, right? Because we're old 
And the defensive line looks old. They didn't pressure Stafford in the least bit. He sat back there clean. He didn't have to throw a difficult pass the entire game. That was easy money for him. He's way too good if he's not pressured. He is what Carr would be if Carr had anywhere near his talent, right? If he's standing up, he's gonna he can beat you. If you pressure him, he'll throw you a few. He's a, he's a much better player, but it's the same type of thing. St- Stafford protected is a dangerous quarterback, and we got nowhere near him. It was terrible. Um, I, and then well, I knew they were going to run the ball on us. I, I conceded that up front, and they did. I did. I, I said our chance to yep. win was to get Stafford to throw us two of them, right? And we catch both of them and win the turnover batter. Well, Carr threw them one. They took it and they stomped us. That's what happened. I think the defense is old. Yep. I think it needs a huge reboot. We need to, you know, let go of some of those guys we love. Um, you know, I, I've always said many times on here as well that I, I, Cam retires a Saint regardless. I feel the same way about Demario. Um, that doesn't mean I would be upset if Cam announces his retirement this year. Um, I'm praying for Mario has, what's that? I'm praying praying for for it. it? Yeah. 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 So it's, (laughs) it's hard to watch. We love him and, uh, but he's not the same player, you know, and we've got a lot of money tied up in him. Uh, Demario, uh, you know, he's played pretty outstanding. So it's hard for me to hard to say the same thing about Demario. Um, but we need a, you know, we need to think about trading assets to build up picks. Now, uh, this defense isn't getting any younger, so we're going to have to build. Does that mean trading key pieces like Lattimore and, and, uh, with, since you have Alante, Adebo, Yadam sitting behind them that are, I believe Yadam's a year younger. So they're all younger. If, if I'm correct on that, um, I, Lattimore is in my opinion, the most talented saint on the roster, but he would carry a huge price in, in the trade market. Um, if we're going to re start to reboot, I think we need to start looking, um, at revamping the defense pretty heavily. So one thing, I don't know if I text you guys that or not, but I think after this year, every decision in this offense needs to be with 2025 in mind, because next year, whether we roll with DA or not, we're rolling with car. Sorry, fans. It's happening. Car's going to be here. Um, we owe him too much money. It doesn't make any sense to <laughs> cut him. So, I'm not I'm not even saying that means we don't draft a quarterback if that's an option. I'm just saying next year we're rolling with Carr. So so let's start making all moves for 2025 and hope that they pay dividends early and we can have a good 2024. But this needs to be a youth movement this offseason. We have to get out of the out of the age of the roster. It's too old and they're not performing. So it's time and whether DA is here or not, that has to happen on the roster side. We have to get younger. We have to find a way. Corey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I agree with that. And the idea of having a, a good 2024 at this point just doesn't even, I can't see it. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, we need to try to do what we did not do with breeze and just, sell out as much as we can pay the price and draft capital to go up and get a QB in the top five of this draft. We have to plan for the future of that position uh, because we definitely did not do that well enough with breeze. We had zero exit plan. It's hurting us now. We thought that we could get by with the, with the mediocre guy. We thought we could get by with, with a guy like Carr, who's obviously never going to be a breeze uh, will always be middle of the road. I mean, actually, Jim Mora, of all people, said it uh, after the game on Channel 6, where he's like, 
I think uh, Fletcher asked him, you think, do you think we could see any improvement from Derek Carr? You know, assuming he has to come back next year. And Moore's like, no, no. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, he is. And he, and he was right. He's like, he is who he is. You're not going to see improvement out of Carr. So you got to stop thinking that he's part of the long-term plans or even the, the near long-term plans. You've got to go up and draft a rookie. And, and hopefully that's a guy that can sit behind a uh, car for a little bit or beat him out in camp even, you know, and just roll with him. Because uh, that's, that's proven to be the model for the teams that, uh, are having success now. Uh, the the position has completely changed, and so the success of this team is is like you said, it, it's twenty twenty five and on. Uh, would be lucky if it's twenty twenty four, but um, I look, I still think it starts with you know some people are saying it starts at the very top. I mean, to an extent, it does, but we're really not going anywhere until Da is the fuck out of here. Okay, and like there's I, no I reason to keep. There's, no, I know, I know your take. I know y'all's take. He's not going anywhere next year. I no, no, not that. that I, was gonna, I was just going to bring up the Loomis thing from the top. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. DA needs to be – I told you all he deserves this year. I believe he did. You don't sign a coach and not give him two years. At this point, he didn't do it. So it's time. Yeah. But I would say and, and, and here's a, the roster situation yeah. is Loomis right now. That's Loomis. And, and we don't just have a coaching yeah. problem. We have a roster problem today. We do. Go ahead. Well, sorry. I guess the only, the only thing to push – no, but the only thing to push back on on like the Loomis thing is is like, all right, you know when he did have his like the dude like when Peyton was at Peyton uh, Prime, I mean yeah Peyton and Breeze and it's kind of like maybe maybe the Devil's Advocate is saying what what co- what GM would not succeed with Drew Breeze and a coach like Peyton at the helm, but uh, I think you know. I don't know. It's it's got to start somewhere. I mean, DA is just DA and Carr both are just. I've never seen two more toxic individuals on this fan base in a long time, and more more so to DA's side of things. I mean, the man had what was the, the most important game of his Saints head coaching career, and just completely shit the bed. I mean, just showed everybody how how outclassed he was by McVay, uh, how outmatched he was by the defensive coordinator on the other side. I mean, making these coaching decisions in a complete panic mode, you know, uh, the team showing, everyone's saying the team was showing fight behind DA. It's like, no, they were showing desperation because of the place that they, they put themselves in under a coach that can't properly lead them and is making these decisions. I mean, to give you 10-point swings minimum before the half, um, it's it just like an, another year of him regardless of what we start doing with the roster, even if we had a different, you know, you have a different GM, you have a different coach, but like, I don't, I think there's a better chance of DA going somewhere than Loomis ever going anywhere with Gil Benson. Yeah, but that's not, that's not what we're talking about though, because we know Mickey Loomis has a lifetime contract. He's not going anywhere. Yep. Like he he is is now as much as part of this organization as the facility on airline highway in the Superdome. Like he is not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, but my, my biggest that's thing. What, that's what I'm saying. Like, no, no, no. I, but we've, we've been over that. DA and my biggest thing, worry, is we're, I, I don't see us picking a quarterback this year because, you know, DA is going to be like, I need, you know, offensive line help or I need a defensive end, which he does. We do need more of those. And I just don't see any situation where they're going to pick a quarterback and have him sit behind because that's basically saying, well, DA, you're lame duck. You don't even get a first round pick that's going to really serve you a purpose. Because he's connect, he is attached at the hip to Carr and how Carr performs. 
Like he did that this past year when he, yep. he pushed for him and got that contract. So now he's going to be, he's going to go down with the ship with Carr. Yeah. Like there's no sure. way a rookie comes in um, and he's going to let him, he's going to let him beat out, the, uh, beat out Carr. There's no way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, so I think, you know, there, there's only so much more I think we can say <laughs> about the state of the franchise, especially in light of what we just saw on Thursday night. Um, you know, I, I will say like, did either you know? There are some people who actually agreed with 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 Dennis Allen. This is called one of the last questions we have before we wrap it up. But uh, did y'all agree with either of those calls? The the going forward on fourth and five before the half, or the onside kick? I heard like quote unquote football guys like trying to justify it. I'm just like I don't see it. I absolutely sometimes am you all have for opinions the onside on kick. The- uh, oh, the fourth God. and five. I really I agree okay, with you guys on the four and five. Music. Our defense did not stop them one time. So I have no problem with the onside kicks. The defense was terrible. So in a different scenario, I would never kick that onside kick. 100% I'm kicking that onside kick because all they need is one first down. We had no timeouts. They need one first down. They ran up and down the field on us all game, 450 yards. It was domination. So I have no problem with that as as a thing. I do have a problem with the fourth and five down three at halftime. That's a terrible decision. It was an emotional move because Alave dropped it and we had the play. I think that was a boneheaded call. Terrible. Um, but the onside kick with almost four minutes to go, yeah. one first down ends it with a defense that could simply could. Look, we didn't stop them when we missed the onside kick. So what's to make me think because it was 30 yards further back that we would have. The defense sucked. They were terrible. I have no problem with it. Um, but I agree with you 100% on the fourth down call. There's no need to panic there down three before the half. You're probably going in down three when you played like shit. Uh, I don't understand that one at all. Max. Yeah. I, Max the it. one before half I hated. I, I just, I, I hated it. You know, I, I turned to Alex. I said, this is, I said, this, they're going to score. I said, they're absolutely going to score right now because we just fucking went for it at this, you know, at this spot on the field. And it's, I didn't like it from, from the beginning. And obviously it came back to, uh, to bite us in the ass. Um, the outside kick. I mean, whatever. At that point it was over. <laughs> like Nick said, we weren't, the defense wasn't yeah. stopping them. You had to, you know, you, you couldn't, you couldn't count on them to stop them. Like we had the, uh, what was it, the block punt? You know, JT Gray. Um, that's the only thing that kept the score even, even you know, remotely close at the end. So yeah, I, I don't, agree, I don't disagree too much with with doing the onside kick there because the defense wasn't stopping shit. So my only issue, I agree with you on the fourth and five, but I hope everybody does. But but the onside kick. It was the biggest thing for me was the time left on the clock. And I know we didn't have any timeouts and I know we didn't stop them before that. But it's just like if you want to you work so hard to get it to within one score and then you do something that even if they don't get the first first down or if they get with if they get even remotely close to kicking three. Now you've just given them a, a two score advantage if you're really, really trying to win the game. Um but but kind of like y'all said though, I mean it's I was pissed about it, but so much negative had happened to the to leading up to that point that I was only like I was like watching the game like with half you know like one eye at that point, just kind of like okay, just end this misery, put it put us out of it right now. Um, so yeah, so speaking of putting us out of the misery, um, I think we've about covered everything we can cover with like that terrible loss. Unless either of y'all have any. Other thoughts on the game that y'all want to get into before we wrap this up? 
No. Yeah, I um, want to say one more thing. Yeah, what you got? Okay, sorry. Uh, just about the onside kick. Um, the the way I look at that and why I said that is there. I think you said three and a half was the exact number, right? So we know a first down, we lose, right? One first down's cutting it yeah. out with no timeouts, even with the two minute. Three fifty three. Correct. Three fifty three. Okay, so essentially, you're getting the ball with I don't know less than 30 seconds for sure. If if you give up a first down and then stop them, you're you're getting it with less than 30 seconds. Game's effectively over. So my my thought process there is you're going to have to stuff them. If they if you if you kick it away, they're at the 25. They gain say five yards on three carries. They pump from the 30. We're getting the ball at about the 25 30 yard line. Our own best case scenario. Uh, we kick the onside kick. They get it at the 45. If you stuff them for five yards, they're not trying a 58-yard field goal. They're going to punt it. We're going to have it at the 10. So you're really talking about a 15-yard risk for a chance to get the ball. Um, You have to stop them on that first series either situation, right? Otherwise, you're not getting the ball back with enough time to win. You're talking about 15, 20 yards you're gambling there. Um, Now, if they they were to come out and kick a 58-yarder on third, I'm on fourth and two, then what do you do? That's, you know, good for them. So that one didn't bother me just for the for the logic behind why I felt that way. Um but that's all I got to say. It was pretty sure. pretty bad performance overall. Um again <laughs> against a good team, you know. I feel yeah. they are a good team. Yeah. They're better than their record in my opinion. They had injuries early and we got whooped. Yeah, there's yep. really not yep. much uh, more to say yeah, about so it. Do I mean, it. it. It was the worst performance of the year. You know, we don't we don't even need to recap our predictions yep. because there was no offensive MVP and there was no defensive MVP. It was just an overall shit. Oh yeah, that's right. We were going to talk about that. You, no, there's, there's there's no there's no need to. We usually no pick up. It's just yeah, right, right. No, there's no one on the offense that had any value. Therefore, no one could be most valuable. If it's all zeros, there's no most. Um, that's you know, there, there's the math. How how's that, Nick? For your stats. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's perfect. I mean, there were some good stat lines. There was no good <laughs> anyway. players. Sorry, there were no MVPs. Period. Yeah, zero. Yeah, the easiest way. To, let's let's nope. close it out. Anyway. We're just reviewing the predictions as far as the uh, the winners. So Nick and I were correct. Corey, you were incorrect. So you are back in third place, sole possession. So uh, um, yeah, I think I that's, made a uh, mad uh, mad dash to try to pull ahead of you all by. I saw. I thought I saw blood in the water with two of y'all going one way. I thought I could actually uh, go the other way and and make some some make up some ground. Uh, that backfired, and uh, here we are in the standings. But Max doesn't care about standings. He just thinks they're funny. It so, is funny. Uh, I think it's. I think anyway. I'm laughing right. because you literally <laughs> you outsmarted yourself, and it's so funny. I told you. Look, I'm picking. You know, it happens spoiler a lot. Alert, you know, I will be picking the uh, the Buccaneers next week. I'll be picking the Falcons the following week. And I'll probably be right more often than I'll be yep. uh, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as as you like to think you are. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, with that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up, and uh, we will be coming back to you. Well, actually, uh, it mostly should be Max and Nick on the uh, next couple episodes, I believe, unless I'm able to sneak one in. But. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm getting I'm getting the hell out of here for a honeymoon uh, before the next game. I'm kind of glad that uh, you know there's going to be a game happening when I'm in another country, uh, location undisclosed. Uh, but uh, you know, until then, thank y'all for listening to another episode of the Twenty Eight to Three Podcast. <laughs>